1: My dad's a painter, he's an artist, and I grew up in Soho, New York, and I'm a real like downtown loft kid. And my mom was a professional woman, so she worked, but it was really important to my father and the family that we all ate together, me, my sister, my mom and dad. And growing up in downtown New York, you get to shop in Chinatown. And I think just their generation was really a generation of like a food culture explosion. You know, it was a really big part of my life. So I watched my dad cook, but weekends were reserved for like baking and having time with my mom.
2: Welcome to Homemade, I'm Marty Duncan. On this show, y'all know I like to talk to my guests about favorite food memories and family traditions. I was lucky enough to grow up with a mother and aunts who put up all summer long after trips to the farmer's market or to the backyard garden. Sitting on the stoop, shelling peas or husking corn was a typical summer activity. And as much as I hated it, I sure loved what they cooked with all of those wonderful things. Many of my own favorite food memories are tied to the fresh fruit and vegetables of summer. Things like a sliced tomato sandwich on fresh ripe bread, spread with mayo and sprinkled with a little salt and pepper using tomatoes from our garden, or the homemade peach ice cream I helped my mom make every summer. I'm sure I only helped so I could lick the paddle when it was ready. Today, both of my guests have summer food traditions that start in the garden, and they're going to share some of their ideas for cooking up summer's bounty with us today. Later on in the show, I'll talk to All Recipes All-Star Candice Walker, whose popular website, Proportional Plate, primarily focuses on plant-based diets and cooking what's fresh from the garden. My first guest today is fashion designer and Project Runway judge, Zach Posen. While we all know Zach best for his astounding red carpet designs, we've seen on A-list stars like Sarah Jessica Parker, Rihanna, Katie Holmes, Claire Danes, remember that sparkly Met Gala dress? Oh my gosh, that was amazing. Oprah, Kate Winslet, Natalie Portman, and others. You might be surprised to learn that Zach is also an accomplished cook, and he's written a cookbook. The garden and cooking have always been Zach's respite from the glitz and glamour of his day job and his cookbook, Cooking with Zach, Recipes from Rustic to Refined, chronicles the passion he finds in growing vegetables in the garden with his family and the joy he feels when he gets to share that bounty with others.
1: So I start with the miso paste. I add some olive oil and you're going to mix all of this, some chopped garlic then I use something called yuzu, but you can also just use a lemon juice. You know, okay. it's just that's a little citrus that gives it the brightness. This is like making perfume. OK. <laughs> perfume for your food, a little sugar, <laughs> a because it. why not? All right, let's get to it. I'm thrilled to
2: welcome Zach Posen to Homemade. Welcome, Zach. Oh, thank you for
1: having me. I'm so honored to be here.
2: Well, we're thrilled to have you, and I guess right off the bat, I want to say there are some similarities between, I'm a cook myself, I was in the wedding business for many, many years in the fashion industry for many years, but there are some similarities between cooking and fashion, finding just that right thing, trying something again and again and again until you get it right.
1: Creative expression to start with, right? Emotion, technique, form. Absolutely texture. Yes, all of flavor. that. It's all there. Yeah, it's all
2: there. But let me make sure I understand this. You started your life in the kitchen. Well, you started your life as a designer very, very young yeah. too. You're a prodigy, very young. But you started cooking when you were just a kid too. I did.
1: Yeah, Saturdays was like baking time with my mom. My dad cooked every day okay. of the week. Let's start there. My dad's a painter. He's an artist. And I grew up in Soho, New York, and I'm a real like downtown loft kid. And my mom was a professional woman, so she worked. But it was really important to my father and the family that we all ate together, me, my sister, my mom and dad. And growing up in downtown New York, you get to shop in Chinatown. You get to shop in Little Italy. Right. And my parents also met in Italy.
2: I read that. That's pretty fascinating.
1: In the 60s, right? In the 60s. And I think just their generation was really a generation of like a food culture explosion. You know, it was a really big part of my life. So I watched my dad cook, but weekends were reserved for like baking and having time with my mom.
2: Now, what would you and your mom make on a Saturday in the kitchen? On, on
1: a Saturday in the kitchen, it would either be something like traditional, like something like a family recipe. I had a great aunt, Aunt Jenny, who had a handwritten recipe for butterscotch cookies with like almonds in it, or like an icebox cookie.
2: I'll be needing that.
1: I put it in the cookbook and it's a great recipe. They're delicious. It's like a butterscotchy flavor. And you cut them real thin. They're like thin, crisp little cookies. They kind of crunch and melt away. And then for like special occasions, we would definitely make all the different kinds of cakes and cookies and brownies. I loved brownies. She would make on the weekends a few more savory dishes. She had kind of an American Chinese dish called Kung Pao Shrimp. Yum. That I don't know where she picked that up from. It's also in my cookbook, and it's really a good recipe, and it's delicious. That was like her signature dish that she would make. What my dad took care of was like anything that had to do with meat, fish, pasta.
2: All right. But I also read that you would do elaborate desserts um, for your family. You would do like big things that would take a whole day.
1: Yeah, very elaborate cakes. And I kind of think of them as like my ball gowns now. In process, I started watching this great TV show that was on cable after school when I was like in middle school. I didn't have a lot of friends, kind of felt like an outsider, but I would come home and I'd watch this show called Great Chefs. I was just like fascinated by more of the elaborate processes. And I guess I'd been introduced to like Martha Stewart's first living book. And, you know, I was always interested in like, Piping technique. I like clay and molding. And then I got really into chocolate and playing with chocolate like clay and just figuring it out. And then it went into like fondant and almond paste. Sometimes it would be a disaster mess and sometimes it'd be like a two day affair. But I really had a ball. And I mean, I'll remember like dipping balloons in chocolate.
2: Oh my God, even before that was popular, you did it. Oh my gosh. What do you suppose? Happened that put you on the path to fashion design rather than culinary school?
1: I I never even thought about culinary school. I mean, I always liked theater and film. And my parents took me to the theater and my dad recorded every film and all the classics. And I was really exposed to a lot of culture. You know, my first love was performing arts. And as a kid, I had little maquette theaters and I would do little figurines and I would dress them in my room. And you know that's how it started. I was dressing my dolls. Do you know I've had so many designers that I've worked with over the years in the wedding business
2: who said the same thing. They, most of them said, though, I was dressing my sister's dolls. <laughs>
1: they were Like you know, it was still kind of taboo for a boy to have a doll. I think you know, some places it still is. It really shouldn't be because everybody's who they are. But oh,
2: get what you want. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Exactly. I first sewed at, at six years old. I took a sewing class where we made an apron in school.
2: Could you make some now? Because I don't like any aprons I ever get. They don't fit me right. So could you get back to aprons?
1: I've, I, I've made some cool aprons before. You know, I like them where they have like a snap. So it has like a fold over. Right. And that's really nice. And I like them real snug.
2: Yeah. Well, you have a great way of making,
1: I'm just going to say it, mature women's bodies look really wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. I really, you know, I respect and have great love and admiration and adore different body types, you know, and all bodies. And I love curves, I mean.
2: Well, you do a great job of making them look amazing. Even You
1: can eat your cake and wear your gown too. Yeah, there you go. And then I got to high school and there was a costume shop at the theater in my high school and it was so cool. And I loved using the sewing machines and the material. And there were really fabulous girlfriends in high school. And I just started making them clothing. And I really used fashion as expression. And it was like my dialogue with New York City in, you know, the early mid-90s. It was an exciting time for fashion in New York.
2: Yes. How in the world, though, did the cookbook come along? Because you were in the middle of a giant fashion career, dressing the most famous women on the planet.
1: Well, I was doing all that, but I would come home and cook. You would always just come home and cook. Yeah, I'd go to an event in my black tie, Come home, jump in the shower and cook like I wouldn't eat at the event. Yeah, there's so much good food in New York and and that's great. But also, I think that being so much in the public eye, you know, there was a moment when I was like, had my cookbook. I was on Project Runway. I was the face of Delta Airlines. That's right. uh, I was the creative director of Brooks Brothers. And gosh knows what other things I was doing that were, you know, very large and public and i really knew that it was important to have my home time and my alone time and i feel like i'm part of new york city i feel like i'm a citizen of the world but especially in my hometown like i leave my house and there's a good 99.9% chance that like i have to be on when I'm at a restaurant and you know, I take that with great responsibility. So home time was really something important. It was like my time where I could let down my hair. So how in the world did you do a
2: cookbook when you don't write down recipes?
1: So I posted my food on Instagram. Okay. I posted a piece of food on Instagram. My fashion friend said, you are crazy. Like fashion people don't wanna see food. And I said, but I cook and I wanna, uh, let's see. And I did this hashtag cooking with Zach. There hadn't been like a cooking with hashtag yet. I'll say that. And it took off. And all of a sudden I was being contacted by cooking shows and by publishers. And I would say, to be fair, prior to that, because of my love of cooking, I had cooked at the James Beard house. Oh wow! That yeah. was kind of big deal. Yeah, I'd say. And I've cooked with Jada, and I've cooked with Marcus. Oh, uh, two of my favorites. They're wonderful. Wonderful. You know, I did appearances on Martha's show. You know, all prior to this, and prior to me writing a cookbook. But then I found a publisher, and I found a collaborator that I loved. Yes, Raquel. Raquel
2: I know her too. She's wonderful.
1: Powerhouse, and I did yeah. you know. I just liked Raquel. I had no idea really about her background or how accomplished she was. And we just had a blast. And it was like two and a half years of development and double checking, triple checking every recipe because I cook from instinct.
2: So what would you cook when you would come home on those red carpet nights and you'd come and then you'd post on the Instagram the next day? What kind of things would you cook?
1: Oh, wow. I would cook ravioli that I had made like the the pasta dough the day before or the raviolis, I'd make gnocchi. I mean, people don't realize actually how quick. If you can boil a potato and have like 40 minutes. You can make gnocchi. You can make gnocchi. And then I got really into traditional Japanese food and I don't mean sushi, like curries, like Japanese curries and like steamed and stewed vegetables and different dashi broths. Oh, delicious. And then I started doing like fusion. Then the Italian met the Japanese. So your cookbook includes all of these. Yeah, things. it's totally fact, eclectic and, and yeah, very neat. I
2: love the way that you organize it like a fashion collection. Bring yeah. in summer, resort, fall and winter, holiday. That's just like a fashion collection. And so you, you're you a gardener too. Yeah. Let's go ahead and get that out there. You love to garden. Your father and your family garden. I love garden. to garden. I'm
1: looking out on my terrace in this crazy heat of New York right now in the summer. I'm thinking my dahlias need some water. I have like thirteen tomato plants out here, different wow. varieties and you know, my basil and dill and right. cilantro. And I have a beautiful crepe myrtle that I call my summer lilac. Oh nice. I love plants and botany. Like plants, fashion and food. I kind of feel like I'm like an anthropologist and historian through those three things. Right. My parents live on a farm now in Bucks County and They plant a few too many tomato plants because they can. So the tomatoes and the peppers, you know, once it starts, it's like 4th of July cornucopia.
2: Right, it is, and you got to put up because otherwise you have to make
1: it last. Either I'm going to open Farmer's Market or or I'm going to bring it into my company. And it was a really wonderful tradition to be able to share all that and bring the apples and bring the pears in season and the peaches. There's nothing more loving than to be able to give homegrown produce. Something
2: you grew, yeah, for sure. What are you going to do with your first homegrown tomatoes?
1: Well, I I hope I'm here. Like, if I'm not out of town, I'm watching one. They're, like, getting bigger and bigger before my eyes. I think that what I will do, you know, first I'll try one raw, like, off the vine. You know, I might lay down on the ground like Lady Godiva and bite it. (laughs) You know, I think the grapes are coming down. And oh, bite fabulous. it and feel really decadent and goofy and silly and, and fabulous. You
2: know what I love the most is the way my hands smell after I pick them.
1: I love the smell of oh. tomato leaves.
2: Oh, so beautiful. It's you know, like- I've been
1: picking off my new thing is pruning my tomato plants. I'm taking the suckers off, they call yeah, them. Yeah, me too. You know, I'm not necessarily pruning like the fruits of it. So the first thing I'll do then. Then what I think I'm going to do is I will quickly par poach it, peel it, and then let it sit in maybe like a Japanese broth or even like a chicken stock just or a bouillon or something, and then let it chill.
2: Ooh, that sounds beautiful, doesn't it?
1: Oh, just something beautiful. simple. You know, I don't know what I'd add with that. Some dill, some chervil, maybe yeah, some yogurt. Not
2: something a lot of people use, and I love it. Okay, so the book is Cooking with Zach. What is your number one go-to Dessert in that book because I love the blueberry pie. I grow blueberries here on my farm. Lucky. Um, But you also have a a pie dough that's your favorite pie dough recipe? Easy pie
1: dough. I mean, I love making pies. I will tell you, my pandemic was totally a juxtaposition because I was getting like super fit and super healthy and cooking really healthy, but I was like on a pie craze. And I have a very good friend, a supermodel, Arena Shake. Who just had me like pumping out pies every day. And it was like, I couldn't make enough pie. It was like pie, pie, pie.
2: I did a lot of it too. What's your favorite one, your number one favorite? So, go-to? where I
1: really got into, and I don't think it's in my cookbook, but it was really good, is where I started to do like a peach caramel. And I did it in a pan, almost like a tartatin, but just oh in the God. pan. And then just before it was like too much, I then put it in like a half-baked crust where I put the weights in it or beans or, you know, whatever you want to do or double pan it, however everybody has their method. And that was amazing. And I also experimented for the first time because there was such a great organic farm in Long Island where we were with the uh, 50-50 ratio of butter to lard. Oh, yeah? I'd never done it. I mean, I do my butter crust, but I wanted Um, to try it. And, you know... It was interesting, it was definitely flakier. I found the flavor really intense. You liked it? No, I don't know, not so, I don't know, but it was interesting, it was like a good trial. And you know, I was trying everything. I also tried, this was actually, here's the best thing I did with apples. This was amazing, actually. I found cinnamon butter, and I used it as the butter in my crust, and it didn't burn.
2: Wow. So you found a compound butter that already had the cinnamon worked it and then you made your uh, pie crust out of that.
1: I freeze my butter. I do too. And I grate it. Oh. And I take a grater and I grate it. You know, I used to do food processor and I like doing that, but a grater is great. And then you can also even refreeze the grated butter and just break it up. And that's like a one, two, three, a little splash of like ice water or vodka or icy tequila even. What else do you put in your pie crust? Well, I
2: do that same technique for my biscuits. Now, I don't know if you're a biscuit maker. I love
1: love biscuits and gravy.
2: Okay. So when you make your biscuits, do that same thing. Okay. You know, go ahead and use your your box grater and grate your butter and then put it back in the freezer and get it super cold before you integrate your buttermilk and all that. Now, Dory Greenspan told me about the vodka and I had not ever tried it, but it works. It works. It's good. Yeah. It gives that, I think it's the extra... Fast evaporation that gives the little layers huh. a chance to pop up a little bit. Yeah. So listen, people are starting to gather again after quarantine. Um, and what are you looking most forward to making for friends as we all get together this summer?
1: I like simple. I'm like so excited about simple foods. I mean, I'm excited about having like oysters with my friends. I mean, nothing yeah. better. You know, I'll make a great little mignonette.
2: Mignonette. Yeah, a yeah,
1: little mignonette. It's so sweet and cute. You know, that's really fun. I, I look forward to like pie time. Me too. You know, and I've also really been on this like crazy food health kick. And that's been fun. Last night, I actually, here's an example. I had like a few friends come over and I pre-made farro. I boiled nice. some farro because that's like a healthy grain. And uh, I splashed it with a little olive oil, even just a little bit of like apple cider vinegar, tossed it. Yeah, just to give a little pop, a little salt and pepper. And then I chopped up fresh mint from my garden and, and added some hummus on top of it. And that was delicious. And I accompanied that with like I've been doing a lot of roasted whole fish.
2: I noticed on your Instagram, you do a lot of fish, which is my favorite.
1: Yeah, fish is my favorite dish. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I have to, you know, I'm, I'm trying to like balance that out with, you know, not fish. You know, my whole thing is about not holding yourself back from eating anything. But all in moderation, right? Like that's yeah, what it should be. Yeah, always possible
2: that's with moderation. It's always possible with
1: moderation and balance. So I don't know. You know what I'm really excited about? I'm ready. I got it. <laughs> it's, I can't wait to have my first gazpacho of the summer.
2: Ooh, I love gazpacho. It's one of my favorite I things. I
1: cannot wait.
2: People love it. And it's just so fun to have as a party starter. You know what I do sometimes? I make little cups out of cucumbers.
1: And so oh, I that's so put cute. the gazpacho
2: in the, yeah, for a big party and I've done it for weddings and stuff and just for friends.
1: That's so cute. I also tried last summer like melon gazpachos.
2: I love them. Yeah, me too. I it's really peach, good. Yeah. Peach gazpacho. I live in peach country, so peach gazpachos I'm jealous.
1: I don't think there's almost anything better. And like a beautiful peach summer peach a peach when yeah. it has like the perfect texture that perfect bite the smoothness uh, of it i mean it's really yeah. something it's a delectable treat and you know i spent a lot of time also going to japan and you know they give peaches as presents you know i do a, too it's just like the greatest thing in the world lucky you <laughs> oh,
2: yeah. It's just right down the road, too. The g- world's greatest peaches are in Chilton County, Alabama, and we're just about to start the freestone season here in just a little bit. Wow.
1: So When do they bloom?
2: Um, In the late winter, early spring. Wow. For us, that can be February.
1: Okay. I spent a little time a few months ago in South Carolina North Carolina. Nice. Getting close down there is very beautiful. It is. I have to say I started to get really crazy, like more Southern garden envy. Not yes. tropical, not tropical envy because that's its own thing, but like southern garden envy. I thought, ooh, this soil is beautiful and rich. And I started to see what it looked like when we drove through Virginia and all of it. And I was like, wow. Well, we live in
2: a red clay area, but weirdly, blueberries grow really well
1: here, and so do peaches. So. Yeah, my parents in Pennsylvania's read Clay, too, so I kind of understand and got into it. I
2: want you to quickly tell me about your gazpacho, because I want to try okay. to make
1: it your way. Tell me really quick. Okay, I'll just tell you, like, you know, I have my way, the kitchen sink of vegetables. I mean, my yes. tomatoes, my tomato juice. I add grapes for sweetness. Oh, That's I like a trick. that. Oh, I do cucumber, I do peppers, I do my white sweet onion. A little jalapeno or even like the smallest little sliver of like a scotch bonnet if you want the heat. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah nice. Some vinegar, your yes. choice of vinegar. Some grapes and, and yeah, I don't think I like that... the grape tip. That's a good the one. The grape is nice for sweetness. You know, I used to put in like a little balsamic into it and that can work. Right? But I yeah. think the grape adds a nice pop and flavor, especially like if your tomatoes. You know, I like using little tomatoes for gazpacho. Like really those super sweet. Yeah, sweets. me too. Just blend that all together and I'm trying to think if I'm missing anything. My onion, my peppers. I mean, oh, cucumbers.
2: Cucumbers, yeah. So, yeah, put it in something. in Yeah, keep it in, keep the, it in the emulsion
1: and- blender. Blend it all up. Yeah,
2: the best. The yeah, best. chill it.
1: Let it set. That's also yes. the track. Let all those flavors, like, come to be.
2: I can't wait. I'm going to start getting my mind around like what kind of grapes are going to go best in my new gazpacho you just taught me so y'all zach posen not just designer to the stars he's also quite a cook cooking with zach recipes from rustic to refined thank you so much for sharing part of your life your mom dad's background with all your family
1: it's such a pleasure you're a delight and a jewel thank you Follow Zach
2: on Instagram, where he shares all the pretty things in his life on his feed. You can find Cooking with Zach, recipes from rustic to refined, online or at your favorite bookseller. Stay tuned and I'll be joined by All Recipes All-Star Candice Walker, who also spends a lot of time in the garden. She's going to tell me how her travels influence her cooking style and how we can all feel a little less guilt when it comes to what we eat. My hands up. We'll be right back after the break.
1: Welcome back to
2: Homemade. I'm excited to talk to All Recipes All-Star, Candace Walker, whose popular website, Proportional Plate, is primarily dedicated to plant-based eating and feeling less guilty about our food choices. Most importantly, Candace wants us all to stop believing everything we read on the internet about food and diets. Rather than jump on the latest fad or food trend, Candace feels we should listen to our bodies to determine what food makes us feel sluggish and tired or what makes us feel energized and balanced. With summer here, we all have greater access to fresh fruit and vegetables. So it's the perfect time to start integrating more of them into our diets, and Candace can help us with that. Welcome, Candace.
0: Thank you so much for having me,
2: Marty. It's a pleasure. Oh, I'm tickled. So your website, your blog, your Instagram handle, it's the proportional plate. And I think I know where that is going. Like keep everything in control, in proportion, and you can kind of eat what you want. Is that
0: right? More or less, yes. It's about figuring out what kind of proportion works for you. So it's not about thinking I have to be eating this and that. It's about learning to listen to your body and taking those cues to create those proportions that make sense for you as an individual. Wow,
2: okay, that makes sense. So- Like, listen to your body if you get a headache or if you get achy joints or you get maybe like
0: tired after you eat something. That's your body trying to say, don't eat that. Exactly. We have food sensitivities, not just food allergies. So sometimes we're a little bit more sensitive to foods like nightshade vegetables, for example, are inflammatory foods and and they affect some people. Nightshade vegetables. So your tomatoes, peppers, eggplant, potatoes. So, it's a classification, and these foods tend to be inflammatory foods, and they affect certain people who have maybe arthritis or psoriasis or other autoimmune diseases. And by avoiding them or reducing them in your diet, you sometimes get rid of some of these symptoms. And that's something I've actually had to do with myself. And I love those vegetables so much that I didn't want to cut them out of my diet. So instead, I learned to listen to when my body is starting to react to them so that I can pull back and maybe take a few days off. I see. So you don't have
2: to eliminate it. You can just control it a bit better and then introduce it back in.
0: All by learning to listen to your body. Oh, wow. All
2: right. So it is summer and it is fruit and vegetable season. I'm in heaven here in Alabama where I live because, well, my blueberries are in, first of all, a (laughs) great anti-inflammatory, I know. And I grow five different varieties. And, um, I'll be picking all the way through mid July. I hope if I can beat the birds to them, that's my (laughs) biggest job every day. We're having the same problem, but you're big into the farm to table thing at home. We don't just have to eat that way in a restaurant. Can you tell me how you got started? Was that all because you had some dietary issues? It's a big part of it.
0: My parents are a a mixed heritage, and they're both immigrants. And I grew up with a lot of fresh fruits and vegetables around all the time. Dessert was usually fruit. And there was always a plate of herbs and vegetables on the table that you enjoyed with the rest of your food from my Middle Eastern, my Iranian side. So there's like this plate of fresh fruits and veggies just always at your disposal, always on a table, always almost being shoved down your throat, right? Right. So I grew up with that. But then had to learn to listen to the ones that worked and didn't work for me. And then finally, I have access to my own yard. So I obviously had to build my own garden. I'm growing my own tomatoes and I have my blueberries and I have all these awesome veggies. And I'm supplementing them with fresh produce from local farms as much as I can. It took a lot of learning my own likes and dislikes, even well into adulthood. You know, you never stop learning and your taste buds actually change. So you you retry things that you thought maybe you didn't like. So it's been an ongoing journey, one that I think I'll be on forever. Well, I wanna just dive a minute into your heritage. This show, we love to talk
2: about all of the stories behind the recipes and behind the food. So you said you are of Iranian descent on one side of your family. What would a recipe that that maybe somebody in your family made that you still make today? And what does that look like?
0: So I think a big one that always comes from my garden is salad shirazi, which is a Persian salad, which is I mean, the closest thing you could think of is like an Israeli salad or a Greek salad, where it's those chunks of cucumber and tomato and onions. Tomato, cucumber, and onion salad is big in the South. It it's sure so is. good. They just—they're meant to be together, aren't they? They are. So we have one like that, and and you dice them really fine, and okay. you put some lime juice and some sumac. Um, what is sumac? That? sumac? Oh, sumac. Yeah. You can buy it ground. So you buy it ground and you just season it like you would season anything. Just sprinkle it on there and it gets mixed in. And not everyone mixes that in there, but that's... One of your secret recipes. Yes. And it's one of my favorite spices because there really isn't anything that tastes quite like it. What does it taste like? It's sort of tangy and acidic. It's definitely has like a little bit of a citrus note to it. Okay. Okay. But I'm going to have to send you some. Well, already. I'm going to have
2: to go just look for some. <laughs> I bet I got a spy, a really good spice store by me, and I will run by there
0: and see what, if they've got it. And I'm sure they do, because they have spices from everywhere. Okay. And it's so, good on everything. It's good on rice. It's good on lamb. It's just, it's fantastic. Well, okay. So that was something that came from your mom, grandmom, aunts, that kind of thing.
2: Something that's always on the table.
0: It's always on the table, especially in the summer. With Persian cucumbers, some tomatoes, it's always there. Well, it sounds
2: wonderful. So you are a gardener like me. You grow your own fruits and your own vegetables. What have you got in your garden right now? You said blueberries, tomatoes,
0: blueberries, tomatoes. I have some squash and watermelon that's not quite ready. I have a bunch of fresh herbs, every herb you could probably think of from basil to fenugreek. Oh, which is one that I don't think most people eat fresh. I don't even know what it is and have never heard of it. Give me that. Tell me about that. Oh my gosh, Candice, I'm learning everything today. This is awesome. Isn't that the best? So fenugreek, you can usually find it dried. Finding it fresh can be a task if you don't live in a community that also has an Iranian or heavy Middle Eastern population. So it's an herb that... I think in Indian cuisine, they use the seeds. But in Iranian cuisine, we use the actual herb and the herb leaves. And it adds a stenchy sort of twist to whatever you're making. I actually have this herb stew. Um, It's called gourmet sabzi. And it has parsley and cilantro and scallions and fenugreek. And imagine taking a giant salad spinner, stuffing it with herbs all of that goes into one stew for six people. Oh, wow. So you basically chop them up super fine, saute them in some oil, and then you add them to some beef and onions oh. and turmeric and some dried limes, which are also fantastic. I, love, I do love dried lime. Now, it sort of sounds like one of our dishes
2: from the South that's pretty famous called uh, gumbo herbs. So it's a, you know, it's a gumbo, but it's got a, a, it doesn't look like your regular gumbo. It's got a lot of herbs in it. Similar. Oh, I would love to try that. Yeah. Leah Chase, who passed away not that long ago, is very famous for it. So if you Google Leah Chase gumbo Z herbs, you'll find that recipe.
0: Oh, I will need to make that. Yeah. yeah, I think you'll love it. The one that I make is one of my favorite dishes. And it's because of all those herbs. And I think any dish with a ton of herbs in it is just Especially in the summer. It's is special, it isn't is. it? Yes, yes.
2: Even yes, yes, yes. not just a dish, a cocktail. I don't care what it is. When you have mm-hmm. all those fresh herbs mm-hmm. that you can stuff in something, just so good. And I make a lot of syrups with my herbs. Me too. You know, Me um, too. That I use in, in drinks and in food. And hmm. um, that is really so refreshing in the summer to do like a mint lemonade or a mint iced hmm. tea or that kind of thing. It's just so good. Or just
0: mixing the syrup with some, you know, sparkling water. And it's, it's for sure. Fantastic. So Candace, what's your favorite recipe
2: that you make that is just something that is going to be a summer go to for us besides this beautiful cucumber salad you already told us about?
0: I actually just stocked my fridge with this salad dressing that has scallions and herbs in it, and it's just stuffed with herbs from the garden. And I just keep it in the fridge; it'll last a week, and I enjoy it on salads that have fresh herbs in them. I think fresh herbs are my secret to the summer, right? They right. they go in everything, especially salads. Everyone always thinks my salads are incredible, but lettuce is lettuce, and. It's the herbs that I'm putting in there that make it special. Right. So I think always having just that salad mix ready to go in the fridge and the salad makes it so that when I don't know what I'm cooking, that's the thing that's ready well, that how I do end you make up going for. It. How do you make it? Do you use an immersion blender or what do you do? I actually just throw it in my food processor, but you could use an immersion blender or a blender, anything like that. So you make a big quantity in your food mm-hmm. processor and then you have it, you keep it in
2: a, like a mason jar or something in your, a mason jar in your fridge. Yep. Well, Jacques Papin does that. So, I think, you know, we all take a lesson from him, right? <laughs> Who knew how fancy uh, exactly. I was? <laughs> exactly. Well, he is such a frugal cook and he says, why would you buy salad dressing when you could just make it like oh, yeah. like you're talking about with fresh herbs I and can't stuff. remember
0: the last time really? I bought it. So, walk us through it really quick. Is it like olive oil and... I actually use a vegan mayo mayo. as the base, and I'll put some citrus in there, some fresh scallions. Sometimes if I'm feeling fancy, I'll throw in some ponzu or soy sauce, and really just whatever herbs I have in the garden, usually a ton of basil. It's almost, I would call it like a comparable to a green goddess dressing, Oh, it's um, one of my favorites. Uh, I have loved green goddess dressing and it went away for a while. And I'm did. so glad it's yeah. back in vogue. You know? And it keeps I'm so well sickle. in the fridge. You know, why not make a big batch of something that delicious? And I end up mixing it into avocado and putting that on toast or on sandwiches. And it it ends up on eggs. It ends up everywhere. I think homemade salad dressings are one of those
2: things that everybody can easily do and I don't care what kind you like even ranch is better if you right. make it from scratch absolutely use all those but you can like use onion powder or whatever like some of the powdered things you can but then add all those really fresh fresh ingredients like you're talking about from the garden and herbs are easy to grow. Like so you can easy. get one little thing, and the next thing you know, you've got like a massive. Mm-hmm. Whether it's oregano or basil or mint, mint grows like crazy. And you can
0: bring it back in the house and grow it all year. You know, it's not just a summer thing with herbs. You could put them on the windowsill and enjoy them even through the winter. A lot of people, you know, for soups and things, they'll freeze them
2: in mm-hmm. ice trays, which is a great thing to do. What's another summer favorite? What is one of these fresh? things that you cook that everybody wants you to make when
0: they come over in the summertime? So my tomatoes, when they produce, they produce. (laughs) So I'll end up with huge batches of tomatoes and I just confit them. So put them in some olive oil and throw some garlic in there and some fresh herbs, pop them in the oven at a low temperature. And then I Keep it in the fridge. You could use it as a pasta sauce. You know, you know, you could use it on, on bread, like on toasted bread.
2: bread, like a crunch oh, with
0: yes. some Burrata. Mm. Oh. Burrata. Oh,
2: that sounds so beautiful.
0: Well, and that's another thing. I think the caprese salad is huge in the summer, right? So just layering right. some tomato with mozzarella and some basil and a nice and balsamic it, I never or get pesto. Out of it. Right. Never get tired of it. But try it with other cheese. So goat cheese on tomatoes, for example, is fantastic. Like, I don't know why we get hung up with that mozzarella. Well, mozzarella is awesome. So is burrata. Let's, let's be real. But goat cheese with a tomato confit is fantastic. And I
2: have never confit tomatoes. I will do it tomorrow. Please. please. I am going to. Oh. I am, and so do you. Do any seasoning besides like salt and pepper at that stage? Salt
0: and pepper. Sometimes I'll throw in some thyme if I have that in the garden, which is great. I've done it with rosemary. I've done just any of those heavier herbs are awesome. But you could always add those. Yes. Like if you make
2: a big thing of it and put it in, mm-hmm. you know, containers to keep, then you could always just add the fresh
0: herbs. And then you can add different herbs, and it's like you're eating different dishes every time.
2: Okay, so we've talked a lot about savory foods. What we haven't talked about, like desserts.
0: Oh, dessert. What What do you do? Like, because sometimes you just need that sweet thing. Oh, yeah. I have three kinds of ice cream in my freezer right now. <laughs> three kinds of homemade ice cream. <laughs> Even just making a fruit sauce, like a compote or just, like a, just some sort of strawberry sauce or syrup is an awesome thing to just put over other fresh fruit um, if you don't want to go the ice cream route. And fresh fruit, it's just your blueberry bushes. I mean, come on. Listen, I
2: posted today on my Instagram a biscuit that had a blueberry compote over it and Yum. told them how to make the blueberry compote. Yes. I mean, blueberry compote's good on pancakes and waffles. Oh, and everything. It, but it's also just good on a piece of
0: toast. It is. It is. And so easy. It's, you know, the poor man's jam. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And or a quick jam. Like
2: if you don't really want to take the time to make a jam or jelly, then it doesn't keep very long. Right, You have to use it up pretty quickly, but you do anyway. You do anyway. You can stir it into a smoothie. You Mm -hmm. can stir it into a...
0: Whipped cream. Make a semifreddo.
2: Let's make a semifreddo. Tell me how.
0: Okay. So I like to mix fruit into my semifreddo, but it's basically just whipped cream and meringue that you mix together and freeze. So if you want, you can mix in the fruit when it's either on your sheet pan or before you Pop it into your sheet pan. Depending on the colors, because sometimes if you make something green, you don't want to mix in red, or it turns brown. So you'll swirl oh, yeah. it in on a sheet pan instead of mixing it all together first. But you can mix it into the whipped cream and the meringue, and then I do mine on a baking sheet so that it's thin and it freezes faster. Okay. Then you can and eat so it then faster. you cut it into squares. <laughs> you or cut you it into s- squares, or you could just run an ice cream scoop right through it, and it's like a very light, airy ice cream. Delish. Delish. (laughs) It's fantastic. All right. So,
2: as we wrap it up, give us like our mantra for stop feeling guilty about our food. Just this one little nugget, takeaway nugget that we can tell ourselves. So, we kind of retrain our brain about
0: feeling bad about food. It's just pause in the moment. Pause, close your eyes, take a few deep breaths. And if it's afterwards, remember the joy that that choice brought you and then maybe decide what you're going to do next time you're in that situation. Or if it's beforehand, just pause in the moment, take those deep breaths and ask yourself, will this bring me joy right now? And if so, then just let it. And if not. Oh, I like that. Just let it. Yeah. Just just let let it bring bring you joy. joy. I mean, we need more pockets of joy. Right. And if food can bring us that. Then let it.
2: I think it absolutely does. I think it does for everybody, especially it really does. these family recipes and traditional things, especially like in the summertime. Strawberry shortcake, for example, uh, is a big thing in our house. And yeah, when I think about that, and I, I probably shouldn't eat it. I probably shouldn't, but it does make you happy. So let it let it
0: make you happy. Yeah, I'm going for that. And let then maybe you, you if you're still feeling a little yucky, just say, Okay, well, I'm gonna go for a walk then, you know. Oh, get on the bike, Marty. Don't, You've got one don't, right there. Get but on But don't it. let it take away the joy from that strawberry shortcake. Don't let it sully that awesome experience you had with that food.
2: Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Candace, thank you. Candace Walker, the proportional plate, one of our all recipes, all stars. You have been so much fun and so great. And I learned a lot. All right. Thank you again, Candice. We loved having you.
0: Thank you so much for having me. It was a blast.
2: You can find recipes, tips, and more from Candace Walker on her website, proportionalplate.com. And we have some of her best recipes posted on allrecipes.com. Next time on Homemade, I'm joined by Nadia Hussein, winner of season six of one of my all-time favorite shows, The Great British Bake Off.
0: Doing Bake Off was, for me, one of the most selfless things. And it was selfish in a good way for me because I got to do something that I really enjoyed doing. As somebody who suffers with anxiety, you can't always question your ability to do things, to push yourself, to take risks, to be afraid. And actually, I did one of the scariest things I could ever do in my life. And I came out the other end and here I am. And so for me, it was one of the most liberating, most self-affirming things to have ever done as a mum.
2: You don't want to miss it. Be sure to follow Homemade on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And please, I'd love your feedback. If you could, rate this podcast and leave a review. I'd really appreciate it. Don't forget, you can find thousands of recipes, meal ideas, and cooking how-tos from the world's largest community of cooks at allrecipes.com. This podcast was recorded in Birmingham, edited in Atlanta, and produced by All Recipes with Digital Content Director Jason Burnett. Thanks to our Pod People production team, Rachel King, Matt Saab, Danielle Roth, Jim Hankey, Maya Croft, and Erica Wong. I'm Marty Duncan, and this is Homemade.